this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranded Safety. Here we go. We are reflecting on our conversation with Kelvin Gen. Let's jump into the intro and we'll get into it. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing a stereotype. Brought to you by Risk Fluent. Okay, peeps, I'm not going to lie. I am drained. At the time of recording my conversation with Kelvin again, was whoa, like forever ago. It's taken so long for us to build this uh, Safety 2 Mini, Safety 1 and Safety 2 Mini series. So it's, it's just, well, just forever ago. And this week I've had a little bit of a medical emergency in the house. Sherry was in hospital for a few days with a slipped disc prolapse disc whatever you want to call it um which is just like horrible pre pre-covid during what do you call it during covid during covid like oh god couldn't see her she was in hospital obviously had to look after the baby like just been intense and then back to work and oh my god so intense so normal level of energy in this podcast not gonna happen people not going to happen but i had prior to all of this rigmarole that was this week made some notes you can probably hear me flicking through the pages here they are found them made some notes on my conversation with mr gen kelvin gen he was in the room when they termed the term when they termed the term when they coined the term safety differently i mean what a what do you call that accolade what an accolade to have to be in the room and next week after you've listened to this episode we've got someone else who was in the room two people that were in the room unfortunately sydney decker if he's listening which i doubt he is but if he is he won't respond to my uh, messages so you know come on sydney Come on to a podcast that's not one of your buddies. Get get yourself outside your echo chamber. Come on, Sydney. Come on over to Rebranded Safety. I'll chat with you. But we've got another one next week of the people who were in that room. Mr. Mr. Green, John Green, the legend, the, the one and only legend. And today's legend, as you heard last week, was Kelvin Gen. How did you like it? Did you? I liked it. I like you'll get you'll get bored of these reflective episodes because they're just me saying how much I like talking to people because I genuinely do like talking to people. I'm not going to sit here and say oh, I didn't like talking to that person because if I didn't like it, you, I probably won't put it out. But I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely enjoyed this conversation. I think Kelvin brought. It's just I like some of the phrases he used, which I'll break, I'll break them down, and some of the examples he used. Like they were just, they weren't your bog standard like academia crap. Like it was just, it was like real tangible um, examples. Like, like how many times in that episode did he say, "Here, let me tell you a story," or "Let me give you an example." And we all know that storytelling is the most powerful way for us to 
take a message in uh, and I think he did that really really well so we absolutely threw some wicked and great little stories our way some funny uh, some scary and and some and a lot of them really so relatable but let me have a look at my notes so what have we got safety as originally intended uh, Kelvin's interest and view on safety differently as the thing that will bring safety back to that so like Kelvin talks about bringing it back to you know how it was originally intended to be which is funny because I've been saying for a long time you know when I go on a lot of these webinars and people like I think I've mentioned on this podcast I went to a webinar a while ago and this guy was talking about he had plan do check something and then he changed act to something else like learn or something like that and he was like just like it was really annoying me he was really preaching it like this was this new model that that he'd come up with like oh plan do check and then learn don't act learn and I'm like dude it's the same thing like you're just changing a word and being like "Mm, now it's safety too it's sexy and I'm just like man and it was really starting to annoy me And, and I've always kind of said safety as originally intended is the closest thing you'll get to safety too, I think. I genuinely think that whilst there are some psychological safety upgrades on there, there are some social science upgrades on there, there there are stuff that we've learned in aviation that we've added to that that Sydney brings over, you know, and, and, and I think each one of the, like, you know, the three big names or four big names that comes to mind, to be honest, there are so many big names, but just some off the top of my head, James Reason, um, obviously Sydney, Eric, Todd, um, you know, they're just off the top of my head. Those, they, they've all added something to to this kind of equation. It's kind of this ever, ever evolving beast, which we're going to explore over this mini-series but a lot of the stuff we talk about is safety as originally intended. And I think when Kelvin kind of towards the beginning of, of, of the conversation, you know, he said that, you know, this is the, the, the one of safety differently is the, the one thing that kind of bringing us back to what we originally intended safety to be, which I genuinely think is true. And it was really nice to hear him say that. Um, I think, let's have a look at my other notes. Hmm, I've got here, does safety differently, safety two, BBS, safety, etc., traditional safety compliance, essentially only exist in our own minds? Wow, what a philosophical point. I always say that word wrong. (sighs) Does it exist in our own minds? What the hell are you on about, James? Here, here's what I'm on about. Let's think back to the other conversation I had with Todd. We both had a very, cl- a very clear definition on our own mind of what we thought efficiency was. But when we said out loud, it was very different to what the other one thought. So this stuff only exists in our own mind. So is this argument that we're having between safety and one, safety one, sorry, and safety two, completely fabricated in our own minds? Like completely hypothetical. Because you could have implemented behavioural based safety in the way that safety differently is implemented within your business or hop or or anything you could have scott geller for god's sake he says that the environment defines the behaviours and todd conklin says that the context drives the behaviours or something very similar so are they not the two exact same statements so maybe my note should actually say do the differences 
between safety differently, safety two, safety one, safety whatever, safety three, safety 57, God knows, do the differences only exist in our own minds? My drop. I should have ended the podcast there, shouldn't I? That would have been a great place to end it. There should be like a little mini documentary on that, and then that's where they end. So, does the differences only exist in our own minds? <sighs> Zooms out like to an aerial shot of a drone, like from the. I'm getting distracted. Sorry, I apologise. I feel like Liam Neeson should read out that bit. Anyway. Rebound and Safety doc- documentary feature length coming soon. Let's have a look at my other notes. Uh, what have I got here? Safety pros as facilitators. Oh my god. When he said that, completely unplanned. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I call safety professionals as kind of professional devil's advocate and facilitators of, of, of experts. You're taking the experts, getting them all in the right room and having the right conversations. So it was completely unplanned. I hadn't said to him like, "Oh, this is what I think they are," and he's gone, "Oh yeah, that's really good." I'm gonna. We hadn't. We had had a pre-conversation, like a little bit of an intro conversation, a very, very long, long time ago. Um, but, but we had barely even mentioned it. And when he said that, I was like, "Dude, preach!" Yes, that is exactly it. And there's a lot of people calling them facilitators now, and I'm. I love that. Like, I'm not sitting here like, "Oh my god, like that's what I said. I should have copied it." Like, it's just. I'm so happy that we're all talking about it in this language. Like, don't look to me as a safety professional, as an expert in safety in your business. Like, you're the engineer. You've been doing this 20 years. You're the expert. I'm just here to help you. I'm here to, could I say, well, what what about if we did it like this? Or what about if you did it like that? Okay. Hmm. But the operational team, they want us to, to do something like this. So let's get them in the room and let's see if we can sort this out. All of those scenarios are just facilitating a process towards success. And success is we deliver the service that we're trying to do, whether the product we're trying to do or whatever, and we're safe whilst doing it. And we're safe as reasonable and as practicable as we can be. So we're facilitators of safety. We're facilitators of success. We are not experts, in my opinion. How can I be an expert? I've just gone and done a Nibosh General and a Nibosh Diploma and a couple of other courses and I've read the ACOP 50 times. It makes you an expert of that ACOP. doesn't make you an expert of work, which is what we're trying to do. It's just my thoughts. Just my thoughts, people. Relax, relax. No lynching mobs in this podcast, please. Let's have a look at my other naughty words. Ah, equipping safety pros with appreciative inquiry. And I love that term appreciative inquiry and i think this is one of those terms that you could just like open up a whole new word but you're inquiring in your business i do you know what i I kind of when i think about this phrase what i feel about you put yourself in their shoes like i always try and bring it back to some real simple thing one liner that grandma used to say you know put yourself into their shoes it's it's kind of inquire it's like empathetic inquiring you're going down and you're saying, how did this happen? But you're kind of appreciative of the appreciative, appreciative of what they're going through, the context, the environment, whatever you want to call it. 
you're you're kind of empathetic to that situation so you know these are skills as kelvin said and i've said many times and i think everyone i kind of speak to in my echo chamber of people that want safety to be a bit better we don't we don't we don't teach this stuff why don't we teach this stuff and and, and that for me is the big gap here that that was like I don't need to learn about you know, the I don't know the regulatory reform order. I can go and read an A cop about it and get it. Boom, sorted. I need to learn about this stuff, building relationships, engaging with people, like the the soft skills, if you want to call them that. They're they're the vital stuff. So anyway, I love that that phrase. So I'm going to try. I've got a lot of notes, so I'm just conscious that we're already like ten minutes in. So I want to make sure that make sure that I cover it all. What is you the see the reality? Oh, the leader and the auditor seeing reality. Here's a little story for you, right? I used to work for a company that we had uh, we had a, an ISO accredited system and an auditor that come in and audited us, right? We used to get like I don't know whatever you call it. We used to pass like very little non-conformances, whatever you want to call them every audit we did really well and it was a really good little day out actually they'd come along we'd normally get like a takeaway pizza and uh, they'd come in and we'd all have lunch etc etc and then he would look at some stuff and we'd probably go for a little walk around the site oh excuse me around the sites and then that was it but off you would go we'd get a report no non-conformances but whatever and then that auditor and that same manager from my business, they both left at around the same time. We got a new auditor and a new manager. And the next audit we got, Jesus Christ, we were like one non-conformance away from losing our accreditation. Now, did we just have a bad auditor? Maybe. Did we just have a really stringent auditor the next time? Maybe. But technically, they were both working for the same company. You'd like to think there was some consistency in their approach, but... Did the pizzas have an effect? Maybe. Did they see reality though? That's the really important question. We've all been there, haven't we? Like, think about it. The auditors are coming next week, so what we're going to do is have a big drive around the workplace and get everybody cleaning the machines, tidying up. Like, why? To pass your audit. That pr- the process of having that conversation, that should highlight some serious problems in the way you're approaching this. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. I've been part of those conversations. I've been there. I've, I, I'm, I'm just looking back on my own, my own kind of experiences more than anything. I'm not here to judge you. I'm just here to say, you're not on your own, people. We've all been there. And if you're there right now, that's cool. Just acknowledge it. We'll try and work out a way to have one conversation after another to try and change that process now if your way of approaching this is to just show the auditor the reality and crash test dummy your board into reality then whatever if not slowly slowly does it crack on but we've all been there and i think the most important one for me is if our leaders see the reality when our leaders come to the shop floor are they seeing the reality of their workplace because if they're not how can you ever expect them to improve or provide you resources if when they are walking around the workplace you know you're tidying up you're fixing everything before they get there and then you go and we need some money to fix the machine and where he's like well every time i go to the machine it's absolutely gleaming mm, it's because you don't see reality mate yeah 
So trying to look at that, I thought that was a really interesting point. I think for me, that just resonated with my experience. So it's a, it's a huge, huge challenge, I think, and it has been for me and it still is now. Um, having your systems re- reflecting reality, having what people see reflect reality. Um, and having, you might even have different realities across your business. I tell you what, if you want to see reality and you've got night shift, go on night shift. Spend a week on night shift. Oh my God, that's reality. You just you just see a different world for a couple of reasons. Like, I did it once for a week. Horrible. Uh, never do it again. <laughs> but it's um, a couple of things. Like, you don't get that, the the normal day gift. Day gift? Day gift. Day... For God's sake, I told you this was going to be a hard one today. My cognitive capacity is, like, overflowing. You don't get that normal day shift people. Like, you know, like the managers. As you're walking down, they're coming, Oh, James, how you doing? Did you, did you do this? Did you do that? Oh, James, how's this going? James, can you do that? Yeah, it's like, Ugh. Well, you don't get that on a night shift. You just walk around. People are just doing their job. They don't even care about you. So you get to see a bit more of the reality. Um, try it. If you've got night shift, give it a go. It's, in, it's really eye-opening. Right, what else have I got on my notes? A great story about inductions. Move from reality. He has um, has completely lost me. Where, where was that? Oh, yeah, they had some guy that did all their inductions for him, didn't they? Oh, yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> that was a funny story, that was. And again, not something that I could directly relate to, but I remember delivering inductions, and I remember it just being a process that nobody liked. I didn't like it. The, 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 the staff didn't like it. It didn't deliver any value, did it? Like, it really didn't. And I I wonder now whether, how would I approach it. And just sitting here thinking, this is live, people. You're getting this live. This is this is the McPherson brain dump. This is not a pretty sight. <laughs> I, don't, I really don't know. How, how would I... We've got to bring it back to that thing of reflecting reality. And, and I'm a massive fan of shadowing. Like, I'm just a massive fan of it. Like, it's just straight back into reality. And and obviously, I think if you fix the culture, you fix the, the business, and you fix all that stuff first, then you're probably less inclined to worry about this. I think you would you would notice a cancer straight away, wouldn't you? Like, if you had everything sorted, I don't know, let's imagine a warehouse situation, everyone whizzing around on a forklift, but they're doing it right, you know, the handbrake between moving and between the forks and all that doing what they're supposed to do which fyi nobody does and then you get some guy that doesn't do that he would stick out like a sore thumb so your induction would have less of a need because everyone would kind of you'd have that social accountability wouldn't you um and i think shadowing would probably nail that so i I don't i don't suppose i'm saying get rid of a formal induction i think there are some value to it but God, I remember some of the inductions I have. They were like two days long, just constant trade, like plowing them with information. And I think back, what was it for? Really, what was it for? Was to tick a box. Like really, it was to say, well, you've had your manual handling training, mate. You, uh, you really shouldn't be off with a bad back, should you? Can't really sue me now, can you? That's that's what it was for. Was it was it really to to make them lift better? Because, I mean, HSC's research says that manual handling training doesn't really work. So, obviously not. Waste of time. 
for them years of my life I could get back. So whilst I don't, I'm not sitting here saying, you know, get rid of all training. I think training has a place. I think training is a very valuable, very valuable um, mitigation within our business. And I think inductions are potentially part of that. But I think the induction has to be about reality, about getting them in, getting them started. Um, and potentially, maybe maybe the problem with inductions is how quick we want somebody to get cracking at something. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the problem. It's like, get them in, one day induction, cool, get them straight back into work. Get them into work, come on, let's go. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's like a phased approach they need to go through. I'm not really sure. I'm thinking, like I say, I'm thinking out loud here, people. Thinking out loud. I'm going to move on because we've got. I've got so many notes, and we're like 19 minutes already. Um, both are glasses and potentially resolving. Oh, I've got a note here. Tell a story I've I've had experience with about employee engagement. Uh, okay, so I think I mentioned it in the podcast about gloves didn't I, where the person had cut the fingertips off the glove, if I didn't, I can't remember, sorry, apologies, but if I didn't, here's a here's a quick overview, long story short, um, a very big international manufacturing company, they decided we're doing a, uh, like a cut proof, um, we're doing a cut reduction project, there we go, cut reduction project, everyone just wear cut proof gloves, to get cut proof gloves, send them out, boom, there we go, nailed it, tick that box, Warm, successful, crack open a beer, pop the champagne, off we go, but there was like no, in the, in the, in the UK anyway, where I was working, no employee engagement, there was no making these gloves fit, fit to the workplace, it was all about making the worker and the workplace fit to those gloves, so in essence, there was like no ergonomics testing, really. There was no human factors testing or anything like that. But for me, there was no engagement with with the staff, which is a legal requirement, people. So, you know, we should really start doing it. But that aside, it just makes sense. So anyway, we had these gloves, told to keep an eye on it, force it, enforce it, make sure people are wearing it, blah, blah, blah. And we started to see like, the fingertips, people cut the fingertips off them. And anyway, long story short, we found out why. It was because they couldn't use it on a touchscreen. And we asked them, why, why don't you use it? Can't use it on a touchscreen. What do we want? Want ones with a touchscreen? Went to the market, got ones to work on touchscreen. Done. Like, nailed it. But if we'd have gone to them before, we wouldn't have had that process that they just said. Oh, don't forget, they need to work on a touchscreen for the for the machines. Ah, okay. Maybe we should get you some trials. Should I, I'll get you a few and you trial them. You tell us which one's best. Yeah, cool. We'll, we'll send some to the other machines as well because it might be different for each machine. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Cool. Right, turns out this machine likes that and you'd like that. So let's just go for like a tailored case-by-case process. Let's have a few. People can just pick and choose what ones they like. They're all the same kind of safety cut standard, um, but they're different types. Great. Perfect. Let's have a look. People, the solution, presence of positive and enhanced engagement not bureaucratic accountability as uh, kind of like the three values so to speak and it's interesting again that you know these values kind of tweak the people the solution one <coughs> well, excuse me the people the solution one doesn't really change at all for any of them presence of positive doesn't change that last one well, that was a new one for me enhanced engagement not bureaucratic accountability i think that last liner for me bureaucratic 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 accountability that's a big one for me. I think when we think about when we talk about accountability, it's like 
we're talking about it from a blame perspective when i think about accountability i think of it from a pride perspective you know when we talk, used to talk about pride in our work like that's accountability if i take pride in something i do i do it well so i'm accountable for that work if I'm proud of it, someone goes, James, is this your work? I'm going to go, yeah, yeah, it is. And they go, hmm, I'm not very happy with this. And you're probably going to be heartbroken because you're proud of it. But if you're, if you're that way inclined and you're proud of your work, you're probably going to be really eager to find out what the problem is so you can learn and be better. That for me is, that's what accountability is. How do you get that? You engage. People are solution. You engage. You find out what they're doing. You go and ask them, hey, how can we make this better? Is this safe? What's the risk? Does this paperwork actually help you? Does it make you feel safe? What's not working? How do you, I'm thinking of reducing cuts. What do you think? I'm going to get these gloves in. Okay, cool. Can we try them first? Oh, yeah, of course you can. It's just, it makes sense. Um, let's have a look. Six principles. Focus on what matters. Um, I thought focus on what matters was better than Todd Conklin's sticky, uh, which is the stuff that kills you. Focus on the stuff that kills you. I, I, I prefer focus on what matters because I think when we say stuck sticky focus on what kills you I think well what if you work somewhere where there's nothing that kills you what if you work in an office where DSE is quite a big risk for people you know being ergonomically uh, or being ergonomic in the workplace um, that's quite a big risk for a business isn't it so I really I prefer focus on what matters than 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 just focus on the stuff that kills you because I think it gives a bit more flexibility, a bit more uh, extensibility within within the kind of different businesses to be able to go okay yeah I'm going to focus on what matters to me as a business because that might be stress, it might be I don't, I don't know display screen equipment like I say it might be cuts and bruises, it might be. But my point here is that you should also focus on the stuff that kills you because that matters if people lose their lives. So I just think focus on what matters gives the people a lot more kind of flexibility, so to speak. It's a wider scope. There we go. It's a wider scope. Okay, let's uh, build freedoms in systems. I like that. So it's, it's kind of saying, you know, we, we acknowledge that the systems could be there. We acknowledge that we need that level of assurance for our businesses and those systems do provide a, a process, a, a, sorry, a value to, to the business. I, f I find a lot of times that Safety 2 gets branded a little bit, maybe incorrectly, and maybe some people preach it. I'm not really sure that, you know, with no paperwork and we, we just don't advocate anything. And I, I don't advocate a heavy paper-based system. I advocate a value-based system. And I felt that's what this kind of said, that, that freedom in the framework, as Kelvin said. It's, that, it's, it's, it's picking those times, isn't it? It's picking those battles of saying, right, this is, this is the stuff that will kill you. So here's the here's the real you you here are the guidelines not the guidelines <laughs> that's ironic. This is the stuff that kills you. So so this is like a narrow set of rules. There's there's no flexibility in this. But but there's other stuff that doesn't kill you. There's a bit of flexibility. You know we want to operate this machine. Here's a way to do it. But if you've got a better way to do it, then do it. But here's the standard we expect at the end of it. Maybe it's this kind of like a quality example, but still applies. And I just, I just, I like the idea of giving people a bit of flexibility, and I think, 
I think that's one of the fundamental things of the safety too, is that employee engagement, giving people freedom to succeed, because if you go down on the shop floor, they're probably already deviating from your framework anyway. So we come back to that point of your systems reflecting reality. If you're allowing that flexibility and framework, then when you get audited or the HC turn up, they're not going to come down on you heavy because you're not doing what you say you do in your risk assessments or in your framework, in your systems, whatever you call them. You're, you're, you've, you've, you've designed in that flexibility so that when the HC come along, they're not going to actually now you for it. Um... Blimey, 27 minutes already, and like I've still got like half an 85 page. I'm going to skip some of these principles. Must do's and your cause, a democratization of work. It's hard work, but you know, democratization is is employee engagement. You know, people think, Jesus Christ, that that's going to be that's going to be real hard work, and it is. It really, really is, but it's so much better. Because the people you employ are experts at what they do. So if you're trying to fix something at what they do, then who better to ask than the person that does it every day? So I think, you know, I do think that, that that's just, a, I think that's the one fundamental thing that, that everyone's missing, that we're so bad at. Because we have this perception that the people are going to be a nightmare and they're going to demand the world. But they just won't. There's a great podcast, or what's it called? It's on the Knowledge Project podcast. And it's a lady who's talking about parenthood and, and implying what she got from business. I, 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 can't, I can't remember it, but I'll link it in the description. You can go listen to it. Basically, she's talking about they went on holiday, loads of parents, loads of kids, etc. And all the kids were on their phones. And they were in this beautiful place, I don't know, somewhere gorgeous and they were saying oh this place is so beautiful but look at all the kids who are on their phone so all the parents are like yeah we should set a limit we should tell them right you're only allowed on your phone this time to this time and this woman said no 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 what we should do is ask the kids let's go over and ask them to come up with something so she went over to these kids and she said um something around the lines of uh, like i say i'll link it in the description you can go listen to a much better version of me bastardizing it but basically she goes over to kids she says right kids do you not think this place is beautiful? Oh yeah, Grandma, it's like absolutely beautiful. Okay, so and do you not think you're wasting that by being on your phone all the time? Yeah, maybe we are. That's a good point. Yeah, um, so I'm not gonna tell you. Do what you want. You can go on your phones whenever you want, right? But here's an idea: when you all go away, talk to each other, and maybe come up with a guideline of saying maybe we're only allowed on our phones here, or or this is what we're gonna do to kind of make sure that we f- make the most of where we are. Anything, just come up with anything. Okay, yeah, so they went away, they came back and they said something crazy like, we, we, right, we, we've decided, Grandma, we're not going to be on our phone from like 7am till 7pm, which is like huge, like most of the day. And she was like, Jesus, I would have never been that strict, but they came up with themselves. And because it was their own rule, they went off and did it. That's accountability. That's democratization. Well, that's how I see it anyway. So I think we have this massive fear of when we go to the people... They're just going to demand the gold standard everything. And I really don't think they will. I think you just have to give them a chance. Have a little bit of trust in them. Um, The last kind of notes I've got here with four exclamation marks. Four exclamation marks. Oh no, there is some other notes after it. So, two last points. Curiosity and empathy. Curiosity and empathy just comes up 
time and time again with everyone we speak to being curious and, and cur- curious with curiosity without judgment and i think those two uh, empathy is saying the same thing really going down on the shop floor is saying what are you doing how's that work oh cool tell me more that's all we're asking and when you when you're kind of got an instant investigation you're empathetic when you're coming up with your risk assessments your control processes whatever you want to call them you're empathetic to those people's situations what they're going through what they're dealing with etc etc you're looking for the context that's driving the behaviors and the last one here is the sd community is open collaborations so the safety differently community is all about open collaborations and i think this podcast community that's absolutely boomed is a great example of that look at all these people out there now sharing amazing ideas and there might be a few people out there that are getting a bit shirty about it saying oh we're all talking about the same thing it's just getting boring and blah 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 you know i don't think that is true i think we may all be talking about the same stuff in in its rawest form but i think we talk about it in different perspectives different languages different styles different ways and i think that's good for people but also with each conversation you can have a guest on my podcast and then a guest on colin nottage's podcast the interest and safety podcast and the same guest on on the hot nerd for example and three different hosts will ask three different questions and have a completely different conversation but with the same person so if you if you really enjoy let's just say todd for example todd's been on all three so if you really enjoy todd conklin you can listen to three different conversations with todd conklin mine collins and sam's done so I, I think it's just a good thing and i think that the more people talk about this the more we break the echo chamber and that's what a lot of these podcasts or these people that are just doing you know shit loads of stuff on social media etc etc you know like jd for example john dempsey's been on the podcast a few times now he doesn't have a podcast, but he absolutely plows safety uh, safety media, <laughs> social media, with, with all this stuff. And, and that's good, because the only way that we, we rebrand the perception of health and safety is that all of us just keep chipping away and bursting our bubble. And at each time we get a chance to burst a bubble, have another conversation with someone else, we chip away at that perception, that misconception of our profession. So the more the merrier, people. And frankly, if I'm going to succeed in what I do, I need you all to start doing podcasts. If I if I genuinely want us to rebrand health and safety, that we all need to have more and more of these conversations. We need more and more podcasts. We need more and more social media. We need more and more people like JD that that's taking safety to TikTok for God's sake. Like who thought that? I did it once. It didn't work out very well, <laughs> but. So for me, I think I loved what Kelvin's talking about. This the, the safety differently community, which is how I see it, is is about open collaboration. And I think it's a shame that the safety differently community has has be- become quite um, f- not fractured, but like you know we have the safety one versus the safety two kind of stuff, um, which is a shame because. I don't feel like it's like that. I feel like I'm having some of the best conversations I've ever had with people that are in this so-called safety differently community, this safety two community. I've learned more than I ever have just from talking to these people. And I feel like I'm a much better safety professional. So for me, it is an open community. It is a community for... (laughs) 
Jesus Christ, I ruined that, didn't I? It is a community for open collaborations for me, and it's worked so well. Anyway, I'm, I'm, if that was as painful as it was for me to do, as it was for you to listen to, even even that was hard. Like, I apologise. This has just been horrendous, but I really have, don't have the cognitive capacity today to even talk as smoothly as I normally do. You might even be thinking, doesn't normally talk that smooth anyway. But that were my notes. That were my notes. Them were my notes. Them, them were my notes. They were my notes. <laughs> oh, God. On my conversation with Kelvin again. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Kelvin. I hope you enjoyed my reflection. But otherwise, I'll catch you next week where we have an interview with the one, the only, the legendary John Green. I'll catch you next week, people. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson.